0: Either one
1: of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. It's so bad.
0: Got a little bit of streaming and a little bit of theater action this week at the movies. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And we'll start out with the latest in the Star Wars franchise. Rey leaves her friends to prepare for Life Day. As she sets off an adventure to gain a deeper knowledge of the Force, at a mysterious temple, she is hurled into a cross-timeline adventure. Will she make it back in time for Life Day? It's the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special.
2: This is so cool! We've seen my master. My master's master.
1: Concentrate. My master's father. Impressive. My master's father's master. Emperor Palpatine? Hmm? I don't believe it! Uh. You think maybe you could put a shirt on? It's a key to travel across space and time. <laughs> I will change the future. So sure are you. Mm-hmm. Less talky-talky, more fighty-fighty.
0: A time of joy, this is.
1: Hooray!
0: A friendship, Of family. unta Gunta solos? <laughs> you want to shoot first?
1: After you.
2: I pointed this out on our uh, our TV gig this morning. Normally speaking, we wouldn't cover a 45-minute long, essentially, TV special, holiday special. But you were so excited about this show. I think
0: a lot of people will be. Oh, and yeah. We've, and we've talked about it with uh, the Schlocketeer for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and we've all said how we were excited about it. So, yeah, I think people are, are going to like this. It is streaming on Disney+. Plus, and, if you, <laughs> of course, the first thing when you hear about Star Wars Holiday Special... People of a certain age think about that infamous one from the 1970s. And if you've happened to see seen it, well, you know, it also focuses on Life Day and a party at Chewy's. <laughs> and that's what this does, which is great. It's a great way to just uh, get you into that vibe. It's, it's, it's a Life Day. That's their big holiday, and everybody's going over to Chewy's for a party. But Ray is distracted because Ray has been trying to train Finn as a Jedi, but it hasn't been going well and she's kind of doubting her her abilities to train Jedi and she gets a hold of this key that lets her travel across across time and space and she and BB-8 take off and she uses that to drop in on all these other moments from across all the Star Wars films and the devices so that she can see other jedi being trained and learn more about the force but it's just a but great the truth
2: is just because it, it lets us it's just this wink and a nod here's empire strikes back and yeah. here's return of the jedi and here's the three that are terrible and here's <laughs> you know here's a joke and i mean there it's really really funny so you
0: see all these different characters and and you have a smattering of original voices you've got uh, billy d williams you've got anthony daniels who has always done c3po and then you've got kelly marie tran in there too uh, there are three actual voices from the franchise other than that um it's a lot of voices a lot of veterans including the writer and director from these lego films right so they've there's they have lots of experience taking this this wink wink as you said lego vibe and it really translates really well i thought it was just hilarious mainly because <laughs> of the Emperor. Who expected the Emperor to be the breakout comedy hit of this? But he's he, a laugh riot. He, he is really a is. Riot, he's so funny. Just mocking everyone in sight, <laughs> you know, from telling Kylo Ren to put a shirt on <laughs> to telling everybody else that there's too much talky-talky. They need more fighty-fighty. I mean, <laughs> it just he's, he's a riot. But all of it, as they go back and forth between moments in the franchise, it's just a hoot, and they also kind of weave in a, a nod to classic Christmas specials like The Grinch, like Scrooge, and they pack a lot into 45 minutes. They do. Minutes. They really do. They really do. So I think Star Wars fans are going to love it, and I think it's perfect for this holiday season especially because, let's face it, a lot of us are not going anywhere, and uh, if you're inside the house with the kids, uh, this is perfect one to just hit on repeat because, as you said, it's not very long, and... People that have a long history with Star Wars are going to appreciate the homages, and the kids just like it because it's Legos and it's sort of animated and it's fun. So this could be a real crowd pleaser over the holiday season. And yeah, it's, I thought it was it was really really funny and a good time, <laughs> as most of these Lego films have been. You know, yeah. they've some have been better than others, but uh, this was a real real good time. It, again, it's streaming on Disney Plus, and it's the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Let's go to this week's Shudder premiere next, a lyrical and spiritual cinematic essay on The Exorcist, exploring the depths of William Friedkin's mind's eye, the nuances of his filmmaking process, and the mysteries of faith and fate that have helped shape his life and filmography. This is called Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist.
2: I knew
1: exactly how I wanted to make it.
2: I marked up my own copy of the hardcover I didn't want any backstory, no flashbacks, just a straight-ahead story that was done as realistically as possible. Over the decades, it's been interpreted and reinterpreted. It asks for a total leap of faith
0: on the part of the audience.
2: People ask us a lot, what is your favorite horror movie? What's your favorite horror movie, George? I
0: always say The Exorcist. You do? it's do? It seems like an easy go-to. It might even seem like a cop-out, but I have a lot lot of them that I love but man this one is just so great it it's is so great it's hard to top it and it's it's cool because this film was written and directed by Alexander o Philippe and he has done in just the last three years yeah he has taken deep dives into psycho mm-hmm. into alien mm-hmm. and now this I mean that's a great t- trifecta and it really is if you're a horror film these are all worth seeing and this one it's really just a one-man show which as I pointed out in my written review of this, normally for a documentary, that's not a good idea. You want to have more than one point of view for your documentary. But let's face it, if you're taking a deep dive into The Exorcist and William Friedkin agrees to sit down for a lengthy interview, that's pretty much it right there. And really, that's all this is. They they have his point of view and his history of how the film got made, how he approached it. And then the appropriate clips are interspersed or, or, or put in at the precise time. And and that's pretty much it. But I'll tell you what, it really takes you inside the film, not just The Exorcist, but of the creative process itself, and especially with him. I, I found it, I was hanging on every word. I thought it was fascinating.
2: I agree with you. I thought it was really, really interesting. And and I, I would think that it would get under my skin to just keep hearing the same person. But, the, I mean, the truth is, he does give credit. He talks about bladdy a lot. He talks about uh, co- contributors and sort of the give and take and, and wrestling of different decisions. But in the end he was the director and he made the decisions and it was really fascinating to hear some of what went into things like the score. The score of that mu- the score of that film is so perfect. Yeah. And and what he went through and and the decision process there I thought was fascinating. I did think. And you and you, you talked about this in your review as well. There's no mention. There's no mention ever
0: of Linda Blair. That was really surprising to me, and that was the one big omission, the the thing that really was glaring. I thought it was so glaring that it needed addressed in some way, like, did he not want to talk about her? Is there bad blood? Which I don't think there was, because remember when we interviewed Linda Blair, she didn't give any indication that there's any bad blood or anything, but there's a lot to talk about there. Think about it, from from maybe her casting, her performance, or just the complexities of directing a 14-year-old girl in this intense subject matter, that you'd think that'd be fertile ground for discussion.
2: Or even, I mean, he talks a bit about Mercedes McCambridge, who voices the demon, and we get to see little snippets of before that voiceover had been recorded, and you hear this little girl saying those lines. And you think that even a discussion about going from one to the other, anything, I mean, he talks in depth about most of the other performers, even some of the pretty minor
0: performers, yeah. and he
2: doesn't even say her name, he says the child.
0: It was it was surprising, it really was surprising. But other than that, I mean, there's the old adage about if you're gonna have an interview, if you're gonna interview somebody, you gotta get one good story out of that interview. Well, there is more <laughs> than one good story in this. There are yes. some priceless stories. In fact, one where he says he didn't believe he had told that story before. I right. Mean, from, from casting to the score that you mentioned mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the battles that he had. He's shooting a gun off on set. He's <laughs> shooting a gun off, yeah. It's it's really, really a, a, an interview that if you're interested in The Exorcist or just movie-making, the creative process, I mean, he goes off about his influences on in art mm-hmm. and music, music, and he's very well-versed and intelligent, and he's 85 years old now, and it's clear that he likes himself pretty he much. Does. But all
2: right. they yeah. likes him some Bill. He
0: does, but uh, it's hard to argue, and, and it's a really great dive into this movie movie and, and movie making and and, and just uh, the process of moving through the stages, of, especially from taking a book to film right. and coming out with such a classic like Actually, this.
2: I thought that that part of it was particularly fascinating that he read the book, he loved the book, and then he read Blatty's first draft and he was like, I think you hated this book. <laughs> uh, that was really interesting. And also
0: it's those little bits where pieces of the film that have been interpreted by other people where he and like like kubrick used to do with the shining you mm-hmm. say no i was just trying to do something that i thought was interesting yeah you know, there's nothing there was nothing intended to throw in different meanings it's it's really interesting to hear a filmmaker like that and it just reminds you how sometimes people get carried away and in interpreting something that just isn't there but that's the fun of films yeah it is and it's just, if you can't tell we really really like this and really If you have Shudder, definitely check check it out. It's Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. Next up is one that is in theaters. The theaters that are open, uh, they get this one this week across the country. An artist is suspected of selling a valuable painting to the Nazis, but there is more to the story than meets the eye. This is The Last Vermeer.
1: This was just found in Goering's hidden collection. It's a Vermeer. I'm Captain Joseph
0: Pillar of the Allied Provisional Government. During the war, what did you do? Try to survive,
1: like everybody else. Sold to Reichsmarshal Hermann Göring for more than 1.5 million guilders. I need to know where this premier came from. Collaboration with the enemy is a capital offence. They're shooting people in the streets.
2: This is your chance at redemption. And yet I am sensing
0: that perhaps it is you who needs redemption. Why do you care so much about this man? It's not the man, really. It's the fact that he's innocent. Now, I think in this case and the other one that we'll talk about coming up that's in theaters this week, this is a case of movies that have been sitting around for a while, at least from last year, that are kind of just getting thrown out there.
2: Yes, and you know, there's this movie definitely, there's some things about it to recommend. It looks pretty good. The performance from Guy Pearce is fascinating. It's just weird in the best way. And it's a true story. It's a true historical story. But it's one of those sort of true historical stories that's just been manipulated within an inch of its life. And more importantly to me, I feel like they chose the wrong person to be the lead of their film. So
0: Guy Pearce plays... He plays the artist in question, Han Van Miggeren. Megarin.
2: And he's a weird and bizarre and fascinating character. Yeah, he is. Who's just limited to this sort of side character who's stuck in this upstairs room the whole time when we follow Fassbang, who's usually very good. But here he's just this blandly attractive, noble uh, officer, and and it's so dull.
0: Yeah, he's. And, and he, you
2: keep looking over the corner, like, can we just go back upstairs and see what's going on with Pierce? Because yeah. he's so weird.
0: He's an interesting character because he's basically having to defend himself from being a collaborator with the Nazis. And, of course, if he's found guilty, he's going to get shot. Yeah. He's going to get... And he, his whole air is just so, well, hey, yeah. this is me, and I was doing what I had to do to survive. And it ends in a big courtroom, which a lot of times can be really, really dry and and boring. But he helps elevate things. Yeah, he does. Um, And it, it is. You said it's an interesting story, the true story, and, of course, they take their liberties. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's... It's one of those choices to run the narrative through Klaus Bang's character, Captain Pillar. It is a little bit curious because you are your interest is always over here yeah. with this guy, yeah. and then they add a little bit of a, a melodramatic kind of subplot that uh, that it ends up being fine. Right, it's it's a, a mystery and it's a it's a historical piece that d- does especially if you're interested in art. Uh, as Klaus Bang clearly is, because in the last <laughs> few years he's done the uh, burnt orange heresy and the square. Right. I mean he's likes the art films, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fine. it's it's not yep. it's not something that's it's gonna blow you away. but uh, Guy Pierce is definitely the the main reason to see this and and his weird eyebrows and <laughs> and he's got some some crazy, almost einsteiny hair going on. But uh, yeah, he's the highlight here, and it's it's perfectly fine. It has its It's moments, but also it has uh, its uh, its boring moments as well, Mm -hmm. and that's in theaters this week called "The Last Vermeer." The other one in theaters this week is a group of friends reuniting to play the Buddy Games, a wild assortment of absurd physical and mental challenges. In the process, they'll heal old wounds, right past wrongs, and figure out the true meaning of friendship—or die trying. It's Buddy Games.
2: Here we go.
1: The Buddy Games are back. We're going to play for $150,000. bucks. we will play your high-stakes shit. But that was not easy to scrape up. I gave a bomb a hand job for $30. What? Ah! He sensed his fear. Ah! Come That was intense. Ah!
2: Every so often, you and I split up and watch two different films at the same time just because there are so many movies to get through in a week. And every so often when we sort of reconvene after we've each watched a movie, I want to smack you because you got the better one,
0: but not this time. <laughs> no, this, this is in the running for the worst movie of the year. And this is another one that clearly has been sitting around a while, just thrown out to the theaters this week for content. And it's just awful. It's the directing debut. He also co-wrote and he stars Josh Duhamel seems like a good dude he seems like a fine guy this is awful every everything involved you just keep thinking why why are they doing this why is this his directing debut i mean it's it's not fun it's it's a cross, you th- if you're thinking it's a cross between something like tag where the guys are all playing tag over right, the, right. over the years and one of adam sandler's grown-ups movies okay I can see where you would think that, but it has none of the charm of Tag, which I thought was pretty funny. I liked it, yeah. And more of the stupidity of the grown ups movies. This is crass, it's tone deaf, it's unfunny, it has a poor view of women and a poor view of men. It's Mm -hmm. just, by the end of it, it's just a big excuse for these entitled D-bags to feel good about being selfish. Right. And that's not fun. No. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, it's it's really, really bad. And it's another case of Olivia Munn. If you look at the marketing, you would think Olivia Munn and her low-cut shirt is a major part of this movie. She is not. Why she keeps accepting these roles that are basically just sexy girl for the marketing, I don't know. But it's just one of the many reasons that this film is so utterly forgettable and and one of the one of the worst of the year. It's one of those, much like the Adam Sandler movies, where if it's, it's over, you think, Boy, I bet this group of actors had a lot of fun making this. <laughs> Good for them. Right. Because there's nothing fun about watching it. The Buddy Games. <laughs> Going back to streaming for this one, it's a teenager's small-town life changed forever when a series of murders Begins on the same night that her missing boyfriend suddenly reappears. This is called the giant.
1: You're back from the dead.
2: I wouldn't say that. Shh
1: shh. What's that? I think something terrible has happened. I'm seeing something that I prayed to God I'd never see again
0: what are you so afraid of this is writer director David Raboy and this is one that is hard to categorize it's listed as a crime mystery thriller but it's it's really hard to pin down
2: yeah exactly because even that description sounds far more structured than the film <laughs> you're about to see yeah. because really you never leave the headspace of Charlotte, played by Odessa young, um who was in Shirley, who was so good in Shirley, yeah and um, and her mother dot killed herself a year ago. She's just graduated from high school. It's that sort of swampy, steamy summer before she leaves for college. Her best friend is a little clingy because you know she's afraid that, that everything's going to change, and you have that sort of hazy summer where everything is about to change, but you you also are with this human who just seems to be kind of floating through life without paying attention. So around the periphery of that are things like these murders, which ought to be what's driving the story, but they're really not. It's just another sort of image of she should be doing something and she's not, which is really, I think, the one thing that it captures really well. Somebody who... It's almost one of those films where it's like a small town that is simply not going to let you leave. Mm -hmm. You know, in this case, it's really she's kind of so used to a particular type of pain that right now is her opportunity to break free and start fresh, but she might just decide to succumb to it. And that's the whole film.
0: Yeah, yeah. there are those films that find a way to... Show their characters finding a, a strange comfort in their pain. Yeah. Whether they're going to move move beyond it or maybe they don't really want to because that's where their comfort is now, and that's hard to do. But if you can do it, it takes writing and it takes the performance, and it can it can resonate and and make you like like it does in this case. Just wonder you're not quite sure what the point is, and maybe that is the point.
2: Right. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a fascinating experience. This film, and I think that it really does. Communicate something honest, and that, but it does it in a way that's very artistic and creepy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very—you it, it, get the sense that it's not as if she's just going to stay in this small town and waste her life. Is there's doom involved? But at the same, and one of the reasons I think I liked it is because you we watch so many films, and if you ever watch one that's simply different. You want to applaud it, yeah. But somebody who is looking for resolution, a <laughs> beginning, a middle, and an end, a structure, I, I I feel like this may not be the movie well, for you. Well, we
0: always say how we don't appreciate when movies spoon feed you.
2: No, oh, it does not do and that. This one does not no. do that
0: at all. So if that sounds interesting, I think you're going to get uh, get some satisfaction out of The Giant, and that hits streaming this week. And one more hitting streaming this week. It's a documentary as uh, the director Alexander Nano follows a crack team of investigators at the Romanian newspaper as they try to uncover a vast healthcare fraud that enriched moguls and politicians and led to the deaths of innocent citizens it's called collective. Prevision! Prevision! Well, the written review for this at MadWolf.com was done by Brandon Thomas, and he really, really liked it, called it just riveting
2: yeah and it's not a showy f- documentary but it's fascinating and is a real testament to you know honest investigative journalism it follows a group of people who are looking into the reasons why after a 2015 fire in a nightclub in uh, Bucharest in Bucharest mm-hmm. where a, a lot of people are, are they die as a result of the fire but what is what they dig into is how Survivors of the fire, over the succeeding years, keep dying. Also,
0: yeah, it wasn't even the year; it was days and weeks. Yeah, because originally it was just it was twenty-seven people died in the initial in the initial fire, but just in the weeks after, dozens more died of what seemed to be preventable infections.
2: Yeah, and so and so, this newspaper, these reporters start to dig into it, and they uncover something really powerful and uh, sort of earth-shaking and the 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 direction of the film again it's just it does it it could very easily just be very showy and and really um attention getting and and it's it's just
0: well and it also can very easily transcend the setting because if you look just look at here in the United States and the Tumultuous nature of healthcare right now, especially with the pandemic, it brings up a lot of issues that are very vital all over the world. And of course, corruption is always vital as the rich get richer as they always seem to do. So definitely worth checking out. It's a documentary streaming now called Collective. And again, if you want to check out that full written review by Brandon Thomas, you can find that at madwolf.com. And with that, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go
1: to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby
0: where we're always happy to rock out with our schlockout.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Patent pending. Uh, we welcome in Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. I guess we've got some big news. We think we know the, the big headline. We've heard about Wonder Woman, right?
1: Yep, yep. I'll get the piddly stuff out of the way first. Amazon has decided to push the, the Coming to America sequel back to March 5th. that will no longer be arriving on on streaming next month. And then the other small thing is that Sony has bumped their theatrical release of Monster Hunter up to Christmas Day. More on that in a moment. (laughs) And before we hit the, the, uh, the bombshells of the week, Disney is reportedly already examining their slate for next year in terms of what... Should just go straight to Disney Plus. Like, they're not even going to bother scheduling a couple of things. Yeah. Um, One of them is the already completed Emma Stone starring Cruella DeVille prequel. And then there's two more that are shooting soon that will also likely be heading straight to Disney Plus either next year or the year after. And that's Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio remake, which has Tom Hanks as Geppetto, Uh and David Lowry's Peter Pan remake, which will have Jude Law as Captain Hook. Those are all likely to go to Plus now instead of seeking theatrical release, and odds are high that a lot of the smaller films like that will do the same, but apparently at this time they are not considering sending any Marvel or Lucasfilm feature films to Disney Plus.
0: So Hmm. all of
1: those will still aim for theatrical whenever they can actually put them out. Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, um, of course, we already talked about WandaVision, but Disney Plus has at least five Marvel shows premiering in 2021 and at least three Star Wars ones. So they're still going to have plenty of content in that regard to uh, keep fans sated without having to worry about tossing, you know, Black Widow or Eternals or Shang-Chi on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. But of course, the big news of the week is Wonder Woman 1984. Warner Brothers announced earlier this week that it will be hitting theaters on Christmas Day and... It'll also be hitting HBO Max that day in the U.S., but there's a few caveats about that that I haven't seen people talk about a lot of late. If someone is in an overseas country, I know you have a few overseas listeners, if you do not have HBO Max in your country, Wonder Woman 1984 will still be coming out in theaters on December 16th. So you will be getting it before everyone else. Whoa. Wow. And the HBO Max premiere will only last for 30 days. It will only be on HBO Max in the U.S. for 30 days. At day 31, it will be yanked from the service. And for the next 30 days after that, it will be theatrical only in the U.S. Then after the whole 60 days have passed, it will then be on theatrical and VOD, presumably worldwide. Wow. So it's a bit of a weird deal. Yeah,
0: there. a lot of fine print there.
1: Yeah, apparently this is what the exhibitors agreed to, uh, specifically that extra theatrical window in the middle. And I think the reason why Warner Brothers is fine with it is HBO Max has been streaming for six months now. Apparently, subscriptions are not as high as they were hoping they would be. So this is their big boost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. But something else happened this week that Wonder Woman overshadowed. You know how we talked previously about how AMC made a deal with Universal for that 17-day VOD window? Mm -hmm. Mm Right, right. Well, Cinemark and Canada's Cineplex have come in on the deal, and there have been some alterations. From going forward, obviously it won't matter much now, but it will, it'll matter more so when theaters reopen. Any film that has an opening weekend of $50 million or more domestically cannot go to VOD for at least 30 days. If it opens below $50 million, the 17-day window remains in effect. And supposedly once the films start going to VOD, whether it's after 17 days or the 30, the studios are expected to um, have them out as 48-hour rentals, not purchases. And supposedly they will be sharing a chunk of that money with the exhibitors. Wow. Now, right now Universal is the only studio that's agreed to this, but the others are expected to fall in line. And apparently Regal is expected to sign this agreement as well.
0: So the deal has been altered. I, I can just hear Darth Vader saying, pray I don't alter it any further.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can read into that. I mean, for one, it's it kind of sounds like a bit of a Wild West 1970s throwback deal, you know, where a movie would open in theaters. If it didn't do all that well after a couple of weeks, it would be kicked down to the second-run theaters mm-hmm. and the drive-ins for cheaper prices. And I guess that's technically what's going to start happening now, except instead of... You know, going to other theaters, it's just going to—they're going to go straight to VOD. Yes, the upside of that is that more more movies could get theatrical runs now. There won't be as much pressure since they know they can send them straight to VOD if right. they don't do well right off the bat. Uh-huh. Of course, the downside is you're not going to have a whole lot more sleeper hits. You know, if it doesn't make a splash right, right off the bat, it's going to be it's gone streaming in people's houses. And I do wonder with the exhibitors getting part of the uh, premium on demand prices you know obviously that's going to help amc and cinemark and regal and all the others but i'm wondering how that's going to carry over to the you know the small chains the regional chains the independently owned theaters the art houses how are they going to get any of that a lot of questions
0: yeah busy uh, in the you, schlocketeers newsroom right all right the latest from daniel baldwin you can find him at the schlocketeer appreciate it we'll get uh, we'll get more updates next week talk to you next week all right we're well, looking ahead to next week Looks like we've got a pretty full week. Well, we had one move that was supposed to be this week, moving to next week that we really like to call the sound of metal. So we'll talk about that next week.
2: Also Hillbilly Elegy and Superintelligence.
0: Yeah, okay, those are probably the two big Yeah. the two big ones. Porno mm-hmm. next week. We'll have a little porno for you. <laughs> Uncle Frank. Uh Mosul Vinyl Nation, mm, and Divine Love. Oh, and also Croods too. That's right. All those. So we'll talk about those, and who knows what else might pop up. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about anything from this week. How funny is the Emperor? Let us know. You can always <laughs> find us on Twitter at MadWolf, M A D D W O L F. Always love to keep the conversation going. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus, and as we've said, the main website. We can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast, new one just dropped, by the way, called Fright Club. You can find that at madwolf.com. So we always appreciate you stopping by the Screening Room.
2: If you would just do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate
0: it. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great Thanksgiving, by the way. Uh, we'll talk next week. And until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. Dinner. Bye. Okay everybody, that's a wrap.
2: <laughs>